0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Turn with me, I'll, I'll read it in just one minute, but turn with me to the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I, uh, I mentioned this morning that Trent and I went to uh, a conference, ministry conference, earlier this week together, and uh, I briefly mentioned it, just how encouraging and edifying it was, and uh, just how much how much it spoke to me. I think we sat through seven sermons, two teachings, and who knows how many worship sets, and uh, it's just so good. Um, I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes, and so I figured I actually want to take a week off from, Gen- uh, from Genesis. We're walking through Genesis, and I, I'm going to share a little bit of my heart, what I've learned from that, and I, I hope it's an encouragement to you, um, and so I, I was flipping through my notes. I brought a journal with me. I was taking a lot of notes throughout all the sermons and the workshops, and, and uh, just looking back this week through my notes that I took, um, I realized it would be really good if we just spent a little bit of time me reflecting publicly to you on some of those things uh, for two reasons. First, I think it's really helpful realities. The things that I learned aren't just for pastors. Um, e- almost e- everything that I learned there is helpful for the saints in general to learn, for we are all ministers of the Word, aren't we, in some capacity? We are all um, ministers of the gospel, the same gospel. And a quote was mentioned there at the at the conference that whenever Spurgeon was supposed to preach, but his uncle had to fill in because he couldn't make it there on time, uh, his uncle was really trying hard to preach for Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, if you ever heard of him, just he's called the Prince of Preachers, so it's hard to fill in for him. And um, Spurgeon comes in in the middle of the sermon, and the uncle says, "Oh, good, take over." And he says, "Spurgeon might be able to meet, might be a better preacher than me, but he can't preach a better gospel than me." And uh, it's just true. We are all ministers of the same gospel, and we're all, uh, and so that's why I think the first reason what I want to share with you is because you also are a minister of the gospel, and we all are called to proclaim, and so I think the things I learned will be helpful for you as well. Secondly, though, I think it's just in general good for you to um, hear and thus see uh, the, the heart of your pastor as, uh, as I, whatever I'm learning in the present whatever I'm wrestling with and working through, whether it be devotionally or something, I, I, think, it's, I think it's helpful for me just to maybe open that, those doors every once in a while and let you just see in the things that I'm working through. Um, and, and I think it, it's good for a, a body of believers for that to happen. And so I, I wanted to take a week off of Genesis and, and share with you. So um, I'm using a text that one of the speakers um, used primarily in his sermon, um, not at all preaching his sermon, but taking actually just things as much as I can from all the different teachings and everything and um, structure a few thoughts of mine, but will be largely rooted in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So, uh, are you there? Matthew 28, let me, let me read uh, verses 16 through 20. It's the last part of Matthew's gospel, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. This is what the Word of God says. This is the resurrected Christ meeting with His disciples. And it says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's how Matthew ends his gospel. I want to share with you uh, this evening two principles for preparing for ministry, and two principles for doing ministry. Two principles for you to prepare your, minist- your, your heart for ministry, and then two principles for doing the ministry, okay? Um, firstly, the first principle in preparing yourself for ministry, and I want to I say this right off the offset. This isn't just a one and done. You, you do it, and then, okay, I'm ready for ministry long term. Uh, this is a regular doing, so that you can regularly be ready to minister, okay? First thing that we need to do to weekly prepare ourselves for ministry, that God would have us throughout the week, is we have to gather to worship together. Let me read the first two verses again, verses 16 and 17. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So, we, we can get some context from verse 10 if you just look back there really quick in verse 28. In verse 10, we can see that Jesus had met the women at the tomb, and, well, actually, they are already on their way back to the disciples, and Jesus meets the women, and he says, Hey, Go, go tell the disciples what you've seen and then send them on to the mountain Galilee and, and I will meet them there. Okay, so that's like verse 10. Yeah. And uh, so, she, so they go, the women do, they share with the disciples. So the disciples then obey the command of God and they go together to a place designated by Jesus. And when they see him, verse 17, they begin to worship him together. And it's interesting that Matthew even includes there at the end of verse 17, but some doubted. But some doubted. So, what, what, are these, what, what does this mean for us? Verses 16 and 17. Well, I think we need to gather together before we go out and witness. Before we go out and live out the, the, the commission of the church, we need to embrace the fellowship of the church. Before he sends them out with the Great Commission in verses 19 and 20, they're huddled up worshiping their Lord and Savior first. And then he says, go out, not go out. But first, they they worship together. And I found that to be really helpful when I was looking at that this weekend. And it makes sense. It goes right with the command of what the the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I think I've got it. Maybe I don't. Okay, alright. Let me turn there really quick. That's okay. Well, just generally, you know the passage, Hebrews 10.24, um, lift one another up uh, and uh, do not forsake the gathering passage. I won't, I won't flip there. I'm going to have to turn a bunch of different places for a lot of different passages today. So. But this just goes right in line with the Word of God and what it commands us to do. Yeah, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so, it makes sense that before He would send them out, they would gather together, meet Jesus together, and worship Him together. Because the reality is, guys, you need that. I need that. We, we need that, right? I hear some occasionally who, who Talk to me, especially with this COVID. I think COVID uh, was was really helpful for people that didn't want fellowship to have an excuse to not fellowship with others, right? And I hear some say, "Yeah, I mean, I'll show up, I'll I'll, I'll serve every once in a while, and or I'll I'll just help on Wednesday nights, or I'll just help with nursery, but I don't really want to go and hear the word, you know? I and they just want to maybe show up every once in a while and serve. Or, or represent some committee and be called upon once a year if, if needed. And, and I think we need to look at Hebrews 10.25 and see it's for our good that we would gather together. We, we need it. I, uh, I often go back to the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha. You know the story. Jesus meets them. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's hustle and bustle and trying to do everything for Jesus, make sure there's aren't, there aren't dishes in the sink, right? Because that's embarrassing when your Lord and Savior's in your house. And so, um, but what does Jesus do? Jesus praises Mary for sitting at His feet hearing the teaching, and He encourages Martha, Martha, learn from Mary. Stop serving for a second and soak up the Word of God. Let's paraphrase. And, and I learned a principle from that in ministry, and, and it can be applied to you as well in your own personal life, is when we serve more than we sit, and when I mean sit, I mean sit underneath the teaching of God. When we serve more than we sit, our cup gradually becomes empty. And we don't want to be pouring from an empty cup when we serve, because that's only just pouring out us, and that's sludge, Right? It's not good. When we serve more than we sit, our cup grows empty, and we don't want to pour from an empty cup. So, for your own personal walk with Jesus, I think it's a good principle to live by is to sit more than you serve, to sit more than you serve, and and to hear the Word of God, to be lifted up by the Word of God before we go out and be the church, we have to embrace the fellowship of the church and the teaching of God within the church. And so you need it. Your soul needs it. I, I need it. And I'd even say others need it from you. Others need you to be in the church. You don't just need them. They, they need you, brother and sister. Maybe you're not the one in verse 17 who's doubting but some are doubting. Some are doubting. And those weak in the faith need the strengthening faith, uh, the, the faith of those who are strong to, to build them up. To see them sing praises. To hear them confidently talk about their Lord and Savior. Those in, weak in faith need the strength of their other brothers and sisters that are part of the body of Christ. I mean, you think about it, when, when someone is, is hurt, right? When, when they hurt their leg, they get crutches. And so the leg that's hurting is supported by the rest of the body that carries that part of the weight. right? And so, so when there's a hurt muscle, you would use other muscles to compensate so that isn't overworked. And so I think just as it is with our body, parts of our bodies, the body of Christ, when one is struggling, when one is hurting, the others come around them and, 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 and build them up and support them and are their reinforcement, I think. And so, what do we do as we prepare to be the church out of these four walls? Well, I think we have to gather together for your sake, for your soul's sake, for the sake of other people around you. That's the first principle for preparing for ministry, is to gather with the saints and worship our Savior. The second thing isn't necessarily in this passage, but it's in this kind of same time frame that we learn to pray fervently. So gather with the saints and pray fervently. I get this from the book of Acts, not from the end of Matthew, but the book of Acts comes immediately after the book of Matthew, right? Right? So the, the book of Matthew ends right here, but at the very start of the book of Acts, and if you want to turn there very quickly, but keep your finger on Matthew 28. We're going, to be, we're going to come right back. But in the start of the book of Acts, we actually are told more about the disciples' interactions with the risen Lord before he goes up to be with the Father. We actually see more of the conversation with the risen Christ, with his disciples, more than what Matthew even shares with us. There's some in the first chapter of the book of Acts, and and I want to read some of it. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read from verses 4 to verse 14, and notice what he tells them to do, or what they end up committing themselves to do. While they're staying, sorry, and while staying with them, he, that is Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will, be, with, you will be, my, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the clouds took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath-stay journey away. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. Verse 14, this is the one. And these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You see, what did they do before they they went out? He had just given them the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and reach the nations. Proclaim the gospel. But first they worshiped. And we can see in the book of Acts, but first they prayed. And and this was something that one of the speakers mentioned, and I, I just loved it. I wrote it down as a quote. The book of Acts, which is all about the church, being the church, it doesn't start with an action scene. It starts with a prayer service. Wow. That's so true. I mean, there are action scenes in the book of Acts, but it doesn't start with an action scene. It starts with a prayer service. Another thing that was mentioned that I found very helpful for me is that Jesus prayed all the time. He went away to lonely places to pray. He prayed for His ministry on the cross even though He knew it would be successful. How much more should we pray not knowing how effective we're going to be throughout the week in our ministry? Jesus prayed for His how could we not be prayerful for ours? And, and what I started to unpack, this is, this is me I'm sharing with you, what I started to unpack this week is, wow, I, I need to embrace more humility in my spiritual life, in my Christian walk. I don't think it's anything less than pride and a lack of dependency to be prayerless and to call yourself a Christian. I was reflecting, I was writing in my journal based on one of the sermons, and I started writing all the things that I can't do without God's help, and I think the very last bullet point I wrote, everything. (laughs) Truly. I I mean, I I wrote them down here, I mean, and it's true for you as well, but I'll just say it as I've just been self-reflecting. I'll say I, but I think it's true for you too. I can't glorify God. Without God's help. I can't encourage other people. Not with something substantial. Without the help of God. I can't rejoice in sorrow without the help of God. I can't witness to people without the help of God. I can't kill my sin without the help of God. I can't serve other people without the help of God. I can't pray to God even without the help of God. I can't worship God without the help of God. I can't confess my sins to others without the help of God. And yet still, I'm prideful enough to think I don't need to pray all the time. And man, that just weighed heavy on me from hearing all of the, all the sermons and the, and the talks on prayer and, and the need for it and ministry. To go out and be the church throughout the week without having an avid prayer life is like going hunting with no gun or ammo. She's not going to happen, and yet still I try to do a bunch of stuff without prayer. I have hard conversations with people and, and hope that it, it goes well, but I don't bathe it in prayer first. I try to teach my son, uh, and, and I don't pray about it enough. I think I, I, I try to walk through life with my wife, and I don't pray about it enough. I try to lead meetings and evangelize, and I and, and I think I need to be prayerful for all of these things more. And so. Um, this is just another principle, I think, in preparing for ministry. We need to worship together, and we need to pray fervently. Those are the two principles for preparing for ministry. Now, two principles for doing the ministry, and this will be much quicker. Let me read, if we go back, hopefully you had your finger on the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28. We've already read verses 16 and 17. Now, let's read verses 18 through the first part of 20. Jesus came and He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Pause there. The first principle for actually doing the ministry, know His authority over you know His authority over you. Did you see the therefore, the cause and effect uh, of, the, of the sentence structure that Jesus was saying? In verse 18, all authority has been given to me, therefore I'm telling you to go. To do the ministry, we need to know His authority over us. And, and let me say, His authority over you and his authority over me is both enforcing and encouraging. <laughs> it's commanding and it's comforting. Well, let's let's pack, unpack both of those very fast. His authority is, firstly, enforcing. It's enforcing. Because it means that we don't get a pick what our marching orders are. We receive them, we don't pick them. Right, so His authority is enforcing to us. It would be nice if we could pick what we do, when we do them, and how we do them. Very nice one. <laughs> it would be so nice. Only witnessing when it's convenient. Only witnessing to those who bring it up first. Who want to know, who inquire of our faith. Those are the people I'm going to witness to. It would be nice if we could only witness to those people when it's convenient and in the way which wouldn't challenge their lifestyle. Oh, that would be so nice. But His authority is enforcing. It means we don't get to pick what evangelism looks like, when evangelism happens, or to whom we evangelize to. Jesus says that we do What he says and how he says to do it. His authority is enforcing. That means the reality is, is we would say things, or we will have to say things, that we naturally wouldn't want to say. We'll have to take a stand on things that we naturally wouldn't want to take a stand on and would naturally just let slide. We will need to be strong where we would naturally be lenient. Jesus' authority is enforcing. And so he says, go, therefore. But it's not only enforcing. his, His authority is encouraging. Because this is a really hard command that he gives us to do. So he gives us his authority to do it. It says, go therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them, and here's the hard part in verse 20, teaching them to obey or observe all that I've commanded. That's super hard. That's really uncomfortable, isn't it, to tell people what this book says and to say that's what the Word of God says. This is a confrontational book. It confronts every part of Isaac. It challenges every crevice of my sinful heart. And because it's so hard to go out and tell other people that same difficult message, Jesus says, hey, look, look, it's okay. I'm giving you my authority. It's on me, not on you. It's on me. So it's enforcing on us, but it's also encouraging to us. We don't normally appreciate being underneath a a person's authority, right? Being told what to do. But it's actually, I think, a huge blessing to go out into the world with his authority. Have you ever had to be a messenger to somebody with news that you didn't want to tell them? (laughs) And he's like, ugh, you sure you want me to be the middleman, right? And so having to go out and, and relay information that you know they don't want to hear. You know they're going to be uncomfortable with. But to, to stop and say, I think God even invites us to do this. It's not me. It's, it's just the Word of God. It's, it's just, it's what He says. Not me. It's my Lord. Not, it's not me. I, it's not Isaac's rule. It's not Isaac's standard. It's, it, it's the Word of God. So I think there's great, there's a great command that's enforced, but I think there's a great comfort that's very encouraging in His authority. We can do that with the Word of God, and I think even to be more transparent, I think that's, that's been the case with the, with the bylaw revision committee. Um, uh, there are people you know, not very happy or little things that they, they aren't happy about, and so I think for me and the committee to say, look, we're just trying to do the best we can and just really trying to follow the Word of God, really trying to obey it's not me. <laughs> it's not it's not and I think I've heard that from others just we really want to follow Jesus here and try to follow his word. And that's that's true across the board when we present the word of God to non-believers to turn away from certain lifestyles. That's really uncomfortable. But I think God invites us to say, "Hey, it's it's me." It's not you, it's me. To tell people that God's going to dictate all of your finances, all of your time, all of your comfort, he's going to challenge it. <laughs> Maybe you just have this deep passion to live by family. It's probably going to challenge you to go <laughs> do missions, right? I mean, just God just will claim every part of your life. And those are times where we can say it's, it's, it's not me saying that, it's just the word of God. So, firstly, when you go out and do the hard work of ministry to get people to obey the Word of God in its entirety, we need to know His authority over us. Secondly, we need to know His promise to us. Know His authority over you and know His promise to you. This is the last part of verse 20. Let me read it again. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And Here it is. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did some reflections just today about the people of God. You know, the prophets were hated and despised by those who they spoke to all the time. Did you know that? Jesus was talking to people in Nazareth, and and he said in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except, (laughs) he's not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. I don't think it's a coincidence that the prophets were loved by those who were at a distance and hearing their message at a distance. Like, yeah, we can go for that guy. He's not bad. He's not bad. <laughs> but the people that like, had to live with it and had to hear it and it actually got applied to their day-to-day life, they're like, I can't stand you. I don't think that's a coincidence that Jesus says the prophets were without honor, Except for those that they lived life with. They were despised. The reality is that people are fine with the Word of God until it gets applied to their life. Think about the disciples. In the book of Acts, they were ran out of Jerusalem when they started teaching about Jesus. One of them got stoned and they scattered. Take away from that is standing up for the Word of God can be a very lonely job in an evil world. Standing up for the Word of God can be a very lonely job in an evil world. So this is the great truth to keep going back to. When you go out into the world and to do the ministry of the church, it's going to feel lonely in an evil world. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So, hope that's encouraging to you. It's been something I've been thinking a lot about. encourage you to be the church. May we be the church to go and to do the ministry. As we do, may we prepare ourselves every week by gathering with others to worship our Lord and Savior together, filling up each other's cup. May we prepare by worshiping together and praying fervently for empowerment. May we do the due preparation, and then may we do the ministry well by knowing His authority over us and His promise to us. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.